I got a feeling that you could be feeling a whole lot better than you feel today. You say you got a problem, well that's no problem. It's super easy not to feel that way. When you start to get confused because of thoughts in your head, don't feel those feelings. Hold them in instead. Turn it off like a light switch. Just go click. It's a cool little Mormon trick. We do it all the time when you're feeling certain feelings that just don't seem right. Treat those pesky feelings like a reading light. Turn them Hello and welcome to Broadway Videos this week on Broadway for Sunday, September 27th, 2020. My name is James Marino and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia, Michael Portantier, and Jan Simpson. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His columns appear at Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, and many of the places. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so, uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and uh, your magic number is 37, which is the uh, number of days left until the election here. Yes. So, we're doubly happy, and uh, Tony Janicki has shared with us that he has also been very successful at uh, losing 25 pounds as well. So, wow. we are you know, the biggest losers here at, uh, that's right. at Broadway Radio and our fans. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's really awesome. I can relate to that. Yeah. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of KestAlbumReviews.com. He's also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You could see his photography work at FileSpotPhoto.com. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Good morning. Also with us is Jan Simpson. Jan directs the arts reporting program at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY and writes for TDF Stages, American Theater Magazine, and her own blog at Broadway and Me. She also hosts the Broadway Radio podcast, Stagecraft. Good morning, Jan. With us today, we have a very special guest. Rory O'Malley is joining us from Los Angeles at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Rory, thank you so much for joining us on Broadway Radio. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. 7 oh, a.m. It's crazy. It's worth it to be with you guys. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so uh, at 7 a.m. in uh, Los Angeles, do you really uh, get up and first thing you do is belt the vote? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just get up and do my scales, belt do your it scales. out. Uh, your, your neighbors, uh, the big musical theater fans, do they understand the need to do this every day? Yeah. Um, you know, you know, everyone in Los Angeles, I'm not sure that they're all musical <laughs> theater fans, but they're all Hamilton fans. They all know what that uh, is now. Yeah, so, well, that's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, everyone, everyone here in, in Los Angeles, I think that um, they're just as excited to be uh, watching Hamilton on a regular basis as the rest of the world. I mean, uh, Rory, you sound like you're sitting like inches from me, right next to me. Your 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 setup is so great because you do vo- voiceovers, or what do you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do I do a bunch of different voiceovers. I'm actually working on Josh Gad's show on Central Park, uh, oh. uh, Central Park on Apple TV. Yeah, uh-huh. and so we've been recording from home, and I'm working on a few other other shows as well. So my my. Uh, my only employment right now is voiceover work in my garage. So I have basically tried to figure out how to be a sound engineer, <laughs> which is a very difficult thing to be. And I have so much respect and and reverence for for um, 
people who understand how to record sound now. Um, but I'm surrounded by by curtains and blankets and Excellent. foam from my mm-hmm. from my my bedroom that I, I confiscated. Um, my husband thought I was moving out one day because I just. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing more stuff into the garage and um, have this really nice microphone. And I also, you know, I've done a lot of podcasting in the past and uh, I understand what it's like to talk to a guest who doesn't yeah. have uh, yeah. any any microphone or, you know, is, is talking into their iPhone or something. And so I'm excited to, oh, whenever I get to be on a podcast and use this equipment, use well, my new skills. It, it sounds awesome. But I alluded to uh, Belt DeVoe when, when, uh, when I mentioned it a second ago. But Belt right. DeVoe is your organization that is focusing on uh, getting out the vote for this next uh, American presidential election. So let's talk a little bit about that. Why did you decide to create Belt DeVoe? We actually started it in 2018 for the midterm election because we couldn't find an organization in the theater community to join. <laughs> Believe uh-huh. me, anytime I can join somebody else's thing, I would rather do that sure. than create something <laughs> new. Because I know what that's like. I, I uh, with Gavin Creel and my friend Jenny Canellos, we created an organization this is back in 2009 now, called Broadway Impact. And that was an organization to rally the theater community around marriage equality. And we had gone to the different local organizations in New York that were rallying around marriage equality, but none of them wanted or knew how to engage the Broadway and theater community at large. And we kept saying we should really we would go to them and say you should reach out to the theater community. They can do so much. Do you know the power of the community, the the Broadway community? Have you heard of Broadway Cares Act? We fight fights AIDS, and they went, yeah. Well, we'll just you, they should just write a letter, and we were mm. like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and we realized that it had to come from within the community. That it had to be people who understood the power of the theater lover and how strong that community is when it comes together and unites around a cause for something important, something that it believes in. So we started Broadway Impact and, you know, it, it, it changed my life. There's just, there's no other way to put it because I got to be a part of something that was so important that, uh, gave me a front row seat to our people coming together for for that cause and actually accomplishing it. I'm a married man. I'm a married gay man now. <laughs> and I know that so many different parts of the the country did did their part, but I'm so proud that the theater community stood up mm-hmm. and made their voice heard. So flash forward to 2018 and uh my husband and, and I we were actually on in line to adopt a child. We had a couple of things fall through and, and we were like, what do we do? We're out in Los Angeles right now. I was working on a TV show at the time and the midterm elections were coming up and people weren't talking about it enough. And I knew that the theater community needed to be mobilized. So we started making the same calls that we made for Broadway Impact called Tom Viola at Broadway Cares. And then I called the, the, the folks at When We All Vote, which is Michelle Obama's nonprofit, yeah. mm-hmm. nonpartisan organization that registers voters. And we said we would love to take 
when we all votes technology and Broadway cares uh, money <laughs> and and put it together at, to for this cause and make a website and do outreach with the community and before you knew it we were we were registering voters in Broadway lobbies. We had a table at the flea market. We had a video campaign. We had a social media campaign. <laughs> and we were able to register thousands and thousands of theater voters, not just in New York, but we went to regional theaters all across the country and turned their lobbies into voter registration hubs so that there was a table uh, for about for about a month, and especially during voter registration week. And so that when people went to the theater, they could register to vote in the lobby. My guess would be that uh, people were grateful for this opportunity. Were there any people who, for any reason whatsoever, made any complaints? Well, you know, people, it's hard. You know, people can find a way to complain about anything. Yeah, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) But it's hard to complain about registering to vote. Because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, it's an issue that sure. we can all get behind. It's nonprofit, it's nonpartisan. And, uh, you know, I would say that people just needed to have that point drilled home that mm-hmm. this is nonpartisan, it's nonprofit. Were and you once surprised? They, that, they were okay. Were, were you surprised, surprised in fact, that the, uh, at the numbers of people who were not registered? Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Absolutely. And uh-huh. I think that, I think that it's, it's important for theater fans to understand that just because you love theater, just because you are well informed about what play won uh, the, 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 light, the last Tony, doesn't mean that everyone around you in that world is registered to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I, you know, and I'll, I'll tell a story here that, you know, we were, I was registering voters with belt the vote and at one point one of the people from the from the theater community a young person who wanted to help said i'd love to help register voters does do i have to be registered to vote to help mm-hmm. register voters and i <laughs> said well no but, but yeah. let's <laughs> talk about here. that yeah. yeah let's talk about that and you mm-hmm. know they had a conversation with me about oh well, you know i'm from i'm from a state that's so red that I just yeah. never thought it mattered or it's, mm-hmm. I'm from a place that's so blue that mm-hmm. I never thought it mattered. And you realize that people have kind of made these conclusions that their vote doesn't matter because mm-hmm. they live in a place that's overwhelmed by one side or something. And that could just not be further from the truth. In fact, that's probably why those things are the way they are is that so many people think that way. So, mm-hmm. um, it was amazing to me to have conversations with um, theater folks, Broadway theater folks and theater around, around theater folks around the country who were not registered or did not um, believe that their vote mattered. And it, that's what Belt the Vote was for. In so, fact, um, were you surprised at the ages of people who were not registered? Were there a lot of older people who um, signed up with you? There were. There were people, you know, and and sometimes it's, uh, oh my gosh, you know, I haven't changed my, updated my registration. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I haven't, I wonder if I am registered. Right, I better look yeah. into this. I mean, I yeah. did it about 10 years ago and I haven't yeah. voted in the last couple of elections. Yeah. So, you know, and, and now 
what's great what's great about Bell the Vote is that I've been able to reach out and work with other organizations and there's one that that I've been working with and that Hamilton has been working with called Vote Riders that is mm. getting people up to date and unaware of what ID they need. And that is such a huge thing because so many states have very strict voter ID laws, which we could talk about for a whole other hour. Um, and and this organization, if you go to Vote Riders, you can find out what ID you need in your state. And they will also help you get that ID and go through all the steps um, to make sure that when you go to vote, you're you're prepared. Um, and I think that a lot of people don't vote because they just don't want mm-hmm. to have to deal with that you know yeah, like yeah. it's it, so um it's been it's been amazing to get into this world and find other organizations who are doing these other things that you don't even think about You're like yes of course people need help finding out what id they need and information about how to get to the polls when we all vote there's a lot of great stuff about what's on your ballot and and how to find your polling location how to mail in your ballot you know these are all things that are barriers for a lot of people and intimidate them from from voting what's the quirkiest um <laughs> requirement from a state uh <laughs> you know uh, is it beyond a birth certificate or um um do you have to take a blood test what's what's you mentioned uh, that each state um has its yeah. own peculiarities so it does it does and you know there's kind of like if a you can have A or B or a col- or from something from the uh-huh. C column or this yeah. or that. But you know, for a lot of senior citizens who don't drive anymore, having a driver's yeah, license right, is, sure. and now that there's real ID and people are confused, do they need real ID? Which you don't. You can vote. You know, like, and the expiration date of your driver's license is is acceptable in different states. But you know, there's things like for mailing in. Uh, for a quote-unquote absentee ballot, which is just a mail-in ballot, mm-hmm. they some states make you give a reason for why you uh-huh. need an absentee. Some mm-hmm. states make you turn in a copy of your birth certificate for a mail-in ID. Some some states, like my home state of Ohio, has been making people do it every year. Instead, mm-hmm. of, like where I'm in California now, where it's just like once you you know check that box then you can just keep having a mail-in ballot sent to you for every single election, which is so convenient. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of a lot of tricky things. Or if you're in Pennsylvania, make sure you put it in the secrecy ballot, the secrecy yeah. envelope, the oh, ballot yeah, in the secrecy really envelope, and then the the mailing envelope. Um, otherwise, it won't be counted. So Rory, there's a lot of work. How has the pandemic affected your outreach because you can't obviously mm-hmm. register people in theater lobbies now right yeah well and you know i'm going to be honest with you you know when this all happened you know i was about to open hamilton in los angeles mm-hmm. and uh that was march we the mm-hmm. it, the shutdown happened the day of our first preview so we literally never had an audience mm-hmm. and you know, at first you're just like, how am I going to support my family? How am I going to get through sure. this personally? And so at first, you know, and the plan had been to mobilize with Belt the Vote. And I thought, man, I just don't know if I have the personal energy to even attempt to figure that out. You know, like sure. we're trying to figure out how to get groceries. And mm-hmm. 
I I just didn't I, honestly my spirit and everything had just been completely immobilized and I was just trying to focus on my family my son my husband and my mom from Cleveland who came out for the opening of Hamilton and got stuck oh. here for her, uh <laughs> 6 months until she just left last week which we wow. you know it was a blessing to have her here of course but you know it was also my worry every day was taking care of her and protecting her and so I guess what happened was is, is that the, the Hamilton cast really said, we cannot sit back in this moment. And when George Floyd was murdered and when the entire country awoke and understood what it meant to say Black Lives Matter, it was a challenge to me to stop whining about, well, what can we do? We can't register voters in theater lobbies and say, do something now and figure Mm -hmm. it out. And I also had a wonderful friend in Kirsten Wyatt, who's an amazing Broadway actress and a hugely passionate supporter of voter registration and, and was instrumental in, in helping me create both the vote in 2018. She was calling me, texting me saying, Hey, what are we going to do? Got to update that website. Got to get us, got to get everybody going. So she helped me come out of my, my, my malaise, my, my depression really. (laughs) Um, and said, you know, we're, we're going to do what we can. And the Hamilton cast, you know, we would have Zooms and say like, what, what are we going to do? And, and the company of Hamilton, literally, you know, Hamilton Incorporated really has stepped up. And now we have almost weekly emails of ways that the cast can participate in voter registration and voter drives. And I, and I, say, I say all that to answer your question because mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. And Brandon Victor Dixon and his organization, We Are, which, is a, which is, does much more than just voter registration, said, hey, we're doing a social media campaign. Would Belt the Vote be able <laughs> to join us? And I said, yes, we are going to support you. We are going to join what you are doing. Because like I said before, I don't like to try to create something to compete with things that are already there. Mm-hmm. I want to join what's already in motion. And Ashley Monet and Brandon Victor Dixon's We Are organization, organization had a fantastic social media campaign. We joined that. We started reaching out to When We All Vote. We reached out to, to vote riders. And so we've been doing Zooms and letter writing parties and, mm-hmm. and finding ways to have town halls online. Um, and and that's what we did with Broadway Podcast Network. You know, we had the the wonderful town hall last week that you guys talked to, to to Brandon about, and you know that we've been able to use the internet in a new way to bring our community together, which is what you know <laughs> what we've all been doing. But it's it's been amazing to you know get everybody um, rallied online from my garage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and and uh, you know, feel that sense of of accomplishment again that we felt back during the Broadway Impact days back in 2018, and to know that we don't have to physically be with each other to be with each other, and it's you know we will be one day again. But I'm so glad that I didn't let the pandemic um, 
get get to me in that way. And I hope that that's, I say that because I hope that that is something everyone listening can can learn from as well, that putting yourself out there um, in this way and, and, and trying to do something for the good over these next 30 some days before the election, hmm. it can feel overwhelming. But let me tell you, it has saved me. It has saved me. I feel like that. I'm, yeah. I'm, finally, <laughs> I'm finally back in the world. And I'm not just worrying about where my next job is going to be. I'm, I'm worrying about where my next job is going to be. But it's not just worrying about that. Yeah. And, so, and so if you are listening and if you love theater and if you love, you know, if you miss what we do, fight for it. Fight for it. We need to make sure that our voices are heard. And you can go to beltthevote.org. You can go to weare.org. You can register to vote and tell everyone that you love and everyone who loves theater that they need to register to vote. So, you know, that's my pitch. And that's, <laughs> that's, it's that's a great pitch. It's a great <laughs> pitch. So you are from uh, Cleveland in the great state of Ohio, which is so important in presidential mm. uh, elections. Um, right. Are you, uh, uh, are you able to reach back out? Do you have, uh, you mentioned your mom still lives there, but do you still have uh, deep roots in the, uh, the Cleveland and Ohio communities that you can, uh, you know, keep registering and, and getting people uh, to participate in democracy in the great state of Ohio? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, and also in Pennsylvania, where I went to college at Carnegie Mellon, CCM, yeah. I've done, um, uh, I've done, uh, I'm going to correct you, CMU, CCM. Oh, so why did I, I only because, yeah. you know, there's some Carnegie Mellon person in listening, and if I didn't say... <laughs> well, at least you're not from that school up north. <laughs> exactly. You know, that mafia known as right. the Michigan people. Right, right, right. No, I mean, it, like, honestly, what's so great about graduating and doing this work is that I'm constantly, especially, we're, we're looking at Michigan, we're looking at, at Ohio, and we're looking at, uh, Pennsylvania. So all the amazing folks from Michigan who are doing phenomenal work uh, registering voters in Michigan and and raising money for candidates that they believe in, I'm blown away by them and and trying to do the same with with Pennsylvania and Ohio. So it, it's nice that our our second homes where we went to college, you know, which we all have those rivalries, have really been such an asset to so many of us who work together now. And we've come together like, okay, you went to, you went to CMU, you went to Elon in North Carolina. Okay. You went to, you know, so we're like, okay, good. We've got a good uh, variety diversity here of, of schools and now go and, and collect all the, the vote registrations you can. Um, but I'm definitely reaching out to Ohio and, and I've been doing that with my belt the vote hat on, uh, which is non uh, partisan. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. also been doing that with Rory O'Malley's head on, which which is partisan, mm-hmm. and and does very believe very much believe in an LGBT rights. So I've mm-hmm. been doing a lot of work with with um, for candidates who are LGBTQ plus or who are working for LGBT mm-hmm. um, rights, and uh, I think that's very important too. Um, and, you know, and I can do that, you know, I can put on, put on those different hats sure. and I'm so, so grateful that I was in 
Hamilton because obviously it's a lot easier to sing a song from Hamilton at a fundraiser than it is to sing a song from Book of Mormon. Mm. <laughs> sure. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I end up singing a lot of You'll Be Back uh, for, for <laughs> events for, for candidates or for, for fundraisers for nonprofits. Hamilton certainly has been at the forefront of this kind of activism in, in general. And actually, we, act, we asked Brandon, I think James asked him last week, how it came about that he was the one who was uh, chosen or chose to make the speech mm. for, uh, before Mike Pence when uh, the vice president attended uh, Hamilton. And Brandon, I believe, said that Jeffrey Seller came to him about an hour or two before and asked him if he would do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> And yeah. uh, so he just said yes immediately and, and didn't, had no idea that it was going to become quite the event. No. As, as, Who, how as could he? Was. How could he? Yeah. 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 I'll never, I mean, you know, I'll never forget the day. Never. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I will tell you that I haven't said this to Brandon, um, but I'll tell you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, because I, you know, I don't. I I would have I would say yes to Brandon for com- coming together with Belt the Vote and and we are you know for a million reasons but I would probably whatever Brandon needs uh for social activism I'll be there for him mm-hmm. and I'll always have so much respect for him because that day we were told to arrive to the theater a little early before a half hour, which, you know, in some shows that is not a, you do not want that call. You do not want that email. Uh, But for Hamilton, you're like, what? You know, probably not closing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But Hamilton, you're, I I, honestly, uh, I just had, I had a feeling in the pit of my stomach that it was going to be a challenging day, whatever the reason was. Yeah. And so we showed up, uh, and right before half hour, we gathered under the under the stage, and Jeffrey Seller told us that um, Mike Pence was coming to the show. And this is about ten days after the election, maybe just a week. I don't, I don't remember how many days, but it was days after the election. So, you know, it was really raw. It was really emotional. Without, you know, I kept saying, I it's hard to do. Hamilton sometimes because you don't want to bring the entire world with you to work. And there were days after the election that I was like, Oh, why can't we be doing hello, Dolly? I just, you know, like you, maybe just like half the week. Could we do something where we're not singing about freedom and voting? And, and you know, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a gift that I'm so grateful for but you know that is that's a challenge some days when you just want to go to work and not bring everything with you and so to find out that the world literally came to turned upside down yes Mm -hmm. yes it turned upside down and that and that's exactly it you can't talk you can't sing through hamilton without pointing to every lyric of how it corresponds to (laughs) today, right? (laughs) And so imagine listening to Hamilton, watching Hamilton the day of the election or Mm. 10 days after the election Mm. or with the vice president-elect in the audience. Every single lyric changes. (laughs) So, you know, the day of the election, when I came out and sang, you'll be back, no one laughed. (laughs) It was not funny. (laughs) 
And mm. I truly thought, this is it. <laughs> King George III is no longer the comic relief. He is the jerk who is mm. literally like pointing and laughing at these people and they'll never accept him again. I'll kill your friends and family to remind you of my love. Yeah. I mean, what comes next? Uh, we didn't know. And so when you have the vice president in the audience in Midtown Manhattan, and, you know, of course he was getting, he was getting booze. He was getting applause. He was getting a whole, you know, mm-hmm. there, there was a lot of things that he was getting. And guess what? Every politician who shows up gets those sure, things. Hillary sure. Clinton got some booze, sure, you know, sure. obviously there's a, a larger percentage of booze for, for Mike Pence in New York city. Mm-hmm. And that's sure. going to be a surprise, but uh, it, you know, the entire show um, was, I, I was stopped from singing um, What Comes Next because uh, the audience was screaming so loudly and mm. the orchestra literally had to stop. And I just wow. stopped singing and I had to calm them down and finish out. And I would conduct, I, w- I just started conducting the da 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 da's when you know kind of like the everybody so that i could get everybody to sing (laughs) instead of scream (laughs) and they were having visceral reactions you know and um it was uh it was very hard for for all of us you know i mean it, it you know no matter what you think to try to get through a show with an audience that's like riding a bull that's like what are they gonna do next we just don't know you get into such a rhythm with a show that you almost expect the exact same response from an audience, especially with something like Hamilton. So when they change it even a little bit, you're Mm -hmm. like, what you guys missed your cue. You know, you're like, that's (laughs) what what are you doing? So to have an audience that was, was missing all the cues that was just completely different was just, just, you know, physically getting through the show was hard. And to have Brandon give a speech at the end, which was incredibly respectful, which thanked, the vice president-elect, while he was being escorted, you know, out of the theater, which, by the way, we were making a speech in any way at that time because it was for Broadway Cares, collecting right. money, which, you know, nobody else in the world understood. Like, we always were giving a speech at, a curtain speech at that mm-hmm. time, and it would be weird not to mention what had been going on in the room for the last sure. three hours and the fact that he was there. And he made a very respectful, wonderful speech. And the reason that I'll always... um always have such respect for for brandon for doing it is that i was sobbing the whole time mm. the whole time he talked i was just i was crying i couldn't stop crying so you know for me my husband's from indiana mike pence was the governor of indiana and signed into mm. law that people could tell us when I, we were visiting his family in indiana that they could turn us away from their place of business mm. so you better believe when jeffrey seller told us half hour to places there wasn't a moment in my mind where i thought hey, this is my place of business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Should I turn people away because of who they are? Mm, exactly. And I, I called up my husband and I called up my mom and you know, I knew the answer to that was no, that's wrong. It's wrong. And, I, and he's wrong for what he's, what he's done to us. And so I'm not going to do the same and I'm certainly not going to leave my cast um, to, to deal with what that was in the moment. I'm proud of the Hamilton company. I'm proud of, of Brandon and I'm proud of, uh, uh, you know, of, of the fact that I was able to get on that stage and, and then to continue to get on the stage as the, 
the president-elect, his boss, continued to tweet at us and say that we were uh, mm. horrible, disrespectful mm. people, even though it was a beautiful thing. And the vice president uh, listened to it from the lobby, apparently. And, you know, and, um, and yeah, you know, uh, so it was, it definitely, it's, it's something that changes you as an artist. And uh, certainly there's, there's probably a reason why Brandon and I have been fighting very hard to register voters um, because you see the correlation between art and having a voice and, and the power of that. Is it surprising to you when um, folks who you work with in the theater or, or in the entertainment industry don't hold the same views as you? I mean, uh, yeah. it's always surprising to me when I, I yeah. find out some yeah. somebody involved in the arts uh, supports the, uh, President Trump or supports uh, uh, some things that I, I think are out of left field. Yeah, well, I'll say... Or right field. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> sure. In this case, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my view, my, my surprise is, has changed. I, I would say, you know, if you would ask me, oh, if would you be surprised if somebody was a Republican eight years ago um, and they uh-huh. supported the Republican Party, I'd say, well, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised about, you know, I disagree and I'm sad that they don't believe in rights for, for me and, and, and my family. Uh, maybe they believe in some tax code policy and that's yeah. weird <laughs> that that's their priority. But now, does it surprise me that somebody supports President Trump? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. I yes, don't know if you've me. seen, uh, I don't know if any of you folks have seen this new TV show that I have not seen, but it sounds like it's very germane to this discussion. Uh, Coastal Elites. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, Rodnick. Yes. 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 I, uh, have you all seen it? Yeah. Oh, yes. Is it good? Oh, I yeah. I liked it. Yeah. It's yeah. really good. <laughs> I liked it. It's yeah. produced by Jeffrey Seller and Paul Rodnick uh, wrote it, who's, you know, an amazing writer mm-hmm. and it is very very funny and honestly I, you think like oh gosh i don't know if i can uh take like talking about all this stuff or hearing about this stuff but bet midler gives a really great monologue it's it's uh just a, a collection of monologues and everyone's fantastic and yeah it can make you laugh about what's going on oh that's great that's i pretty, knew it was- that's pretty high order <laughs> I knew it was Paul Rudnick. I didn't actually realize it was Jeffrey Seller. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's I mean, it's uh, it's monologues, obviously shot pretty early on in the pandemic. So mm. it's just five, I think, four or five monologues. Five, yeah, yeah, and uh, all terrific, terrific. Yeah, dealing with this year, basically. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So back in the the world of theater, uh, you know. Uh, was your first uh, appearance on Broadway was in uh, Spelling Bee? Correct, yeah. And you replaced in that. Uh, and what was that like for you to get the gig and and come in and, you know, it, replacing is a world whirlwind within itself because you have all these people who have been doing it for X number of months and all of a sudden you're, you've got to jump jump on the thing and be up to speed pretty quickly. How did it go for you? It was, uh, I mean, it was the greatest day ever because I had been trying so hard, you know, to not, not even to be on Broadway, just to, to prove to myself that I was going to be able 
to get work. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget my agent left a voicemail. That was <laughs> not much of a celebration. <laughs> I don't think he knew how big of a day or a big of a moment that was. It was, it might've been like an agent's assistant or something. <laughs> and he was like, Oh yeah. So, um, they want to use you. So, uh, yeah, you're gonna they'll they'll get in contact with you, and I was like, uh, I'm 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 gonna be on Broadway, you know, um, and it was, you know, I like a good Irish Catholic boy who doesn't go to church anymore. I went to St. Pat's Cathedral and lit a candle, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I didn't know what else to do. Broadway, you know? right, yeah, <laughs> so I just I just felt like I had to express my gratitude, and, and that was just the way I knew how, and um. And it was definitely scary. Um, but I was actually, I was replacing a standby. So I had to learn three roles. And uh, I had, so I had to learn Coney Bear and William Barfay and the and Vice Principal Panch. And uh, so that was what was really scary to me. It wasn't just one character. It was, I've never understudied before. I'd never been a standby. So that was really the hardest part for me. But the, the crazy part of the story is that I'd only been in New York City for one month. Mm-hmm. I moved to Los Angeles first and I worked for Gary Marshall for years in his, his Happy Days, the musical and, mm-hmm. and did a bunch of shows at his theater in Burbank. And I was really loving Los Angeles, but I knew that I had to get to New York if I really wanted to make a living in theater. And so I moved to New York, got a job at a financial firm in the human resources department and a month in got this gig. And I had been ready for it because I saw Spelling Bee in previews on a trip. And that's when I just, I saw... Uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson play Leaf Coney Bear. And I thought, well, <laughs> he's a genius. I can't, <laughs> I, I've got to be a part of something like this. Like he's the kind of person that I want to be on Broadway and, and in theater. And I'm, if I'm not in New York, I won't be at the ground level of a show to create a role. So I've got to move to New York. And I also called up my buddy who was my college roommate, Josh Gad. And I said, Josh, there's this <laughs> new show on Broadway. It's called Spelling Bee there's this guy, Dan Fogler, he's going to win a Tony for playing this crazy role. You're the only person who could replace him. You've got to see it. You've got to get in. And of course, before I was in the show, Josh did replace Dan Fogler. So, and he still hasn't given me any commission, Uh, but, but, but he, he went into spelling bee and I ended up joining like four months later as uh, a standby. So I was coming into my first Broadway show with my college roommate already there and so it was great because you know obviously it's insane that 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 happened and was little do we know not going to be the last time that it would happen um i felt a lot more at home in in that world because i did look at that cast and just think these are superstars and um and got to be a, a part of of that world and and my broadway debut was going on for josh when he missed a show to go audition for avatar so he flew off to LA or something and I got to go on as William Barfay. Um, mm. And then I went on a bunch of Coney Bear as well um, and had the best time ever. But, you know, then it then it ended um, and I didn't have a job for for several months. And I went back to my HR job at the financial firm. By the way, a friend of mine said that when he heard the name of Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court, <laughs> all he could think of was Leif Coney Bear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, know somebody, I, I saw somebody say that. I hadn't, hadn't even put that together. I think I'd been too, 
<laughs> too overwhelmed to think of thinks that exactly. clever. Exactly. But, but yeah. I, think she, I think she's going to be a lot more um, toxic than he is. Uh, you know, he's such a sweet, <laughs> he's such a sweet character. He and, is. He is. And, you know, I don't know if I could say like a, a performance and a character changed my life, but that one is the closest that it could come to because mm. watching Jesse's characterization of, of leaf Coney bear was so sweet and funny and so damn funny that I thought I want to do something like that. Mm. I didn't think I'd get to do that to get actually get to be that person. But, um, it was, it was, you know, art inspires you to do things in life and my that art inspired me to move to New York finally and and really take a shot at being on Broadway. Then you you originated in Book of Mormon, uh, and how did that all come about? I was sitting at my temp <laughs> job at uh, uh, BlackRock Financial Human Resources Department, college recruit, recruiting, and I got a call from my agent. And they said, oh, there's this, uh, this workshop or this reading for a week. It's by Matt and Trey from South Park and Bobby Lopez from Avenue Q. And they won't say what it's about, but uh, they want to know if you will do a reading. And I was like, yes. I practically <laughs> dropped the phone and ran to wherever it was. Um, but what's crazy is that I knew what it was because my cousin who lives in Utah <laughs> – uh, he, I, this is nuts. When I was moving to New York from, from Los Angeles, he, this is like, it, it, it's just still, I can't believe that he figured this out, but he saw on some like Utah blog or something, <laughs> this rumor that the South Park guys were writing a musical about Mormons. And he in like sent me in the mail, like a printout of this article <laughs> I said, Rory, when you get to New York, this is the Broadway show you should be in. You'd oh be perfect. Gosh. And I was like, okay, Danny realtor from Utah. Like you, <laughs> you, let me tell you something. You don't understand the business. It's not like I go through the Lincoln tunnel and just order up mm. a Broadway show. Mm. Like that's not how it works. Well, my agent calls, he goes, I don't even know what this is about. And I was like, it's about Mormons. <laughs> and he was like, how do you know? And I said, my cousin, Danny told me. <laughs> He's a realtor in Utah. Um, uh, so I I knew what it was, you know, like I, I knew and we had to like sign confidentiality agreements and and it was very, very secretive just to get in the door. And when I get in the door, Josh Gad is there, my roommate from college. And I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, you know, I started it and my character didn't exist really. McKinley certainly didn't exist at all. It was just this one character in Hello and Two by Two. And I had a couple of bits where I rang the doorbell and became, you know, a little passive aggressive and and got to have these few comic moments. And the next time we did a reading, there was a character, Elder McKinley, who was in charge of the mission. And the next time we did a reading, he had a song called Turn It Off. And the next workshop, it was a tap number. And, you know, it just grew and grew. So over a three-year period of doing readings and workshops, I was able to help create this character um, who was my Leaf Coney Bear, you know, who was my <laughs> loving, funny, this, that's why I showed up, you know, and um, that's why I went to New York was to do that. And I just can't believe I got to do it. You know, I, I still pinch myself that that 
happened because I was going in between readings and workshops back to my, um, my temp job and, and was not taking jobs away from New York or regionally because uh, there might be a workshop, there might be something happening. And so, uh, you know, it was a long, exciting three years, but it was long. And I'm so glad it paid off. <laughs> so BlackRock money, you know, uh, <laughs> yes. I, I know BlackRock pretty well. Mm. Um, and it's hard to even temp jobs at BlackRock can, can pay pretty well. Uh, so, uh, any, uh, hey, for uh, me, it was uh, I was like, oh, this is I'm, I'm living. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I was sweet. I, that's yeah, sweet yeah. yeah, and I and it came every week. You know, I was like, this. <laughs> I, it's like this is amazing. I'm actually able to feed myself. This is mm-hmm. surreal because yes. I had just been fired from different waiting jobs in Los Angeles, oh. and then I got this job mm-hmm. in New York, and all of a sudden I had a, a steady paycheck. Yeah, so it was. I I did not let that go easily. It it literally took a Book of Mormon opening on Broadway. So my thought is, is that, you know, knowing the folks that I know at BlackRock, um, uh, they're going to see an HR temp and they're not going to think much of it. And then all of a sudden you're in Hamilton. Did you get all of a sudden emails and phone calls that saying, hey, uh, house seats? Hey, 100%. you? Remember me? <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and look, I was thrilled to give it to them because, you know, they always, they kept me around uh, when there were probably way more qualified people for my job because I didn't know what I was doing. They were, they were training me, but they kept me around because they thought I was um, funny and they thought that I had good stories and, you know, they just thought it was cool that I met Gary Marshall, you know, or that I, you know, like <laughs> they, they, they were aware that I wasn't probably the best person for the job, but I can make them laugh in the, in the break room. And so they always let me go. They let me go to the readings and workshops and come back. In fact, when we started, when I started as a standby in Spelling Bee, I kept the job. I kept going because I knew that my contract was only five months. And I thought if I let go of this temp job which you know like at the end of the day is it is it a temp job if you do it for three years i don't know (laughs) (laughs) you i was showing up and i was doing everything i could and working part-time so that i could you know have it because i knew how valuable it was so those people i i and i say this to all actors who are who are having side work and and just getting started your side job, your job where that pays you money so that you can audition, treat that like you would treat your Broadway show. Hmm. Find one that respects you and you respect the hell out of it. Do not resent it because you, when you make it one day, you will be have total gratitude for the fact that they let you eat and live in New York until something else came along. Hmm. And um, I, so... I'm just thrilled that I had uh, an HR team of people who s- still support me and were asking for tickets and were coming, at, you know, to Book of Mormon and to Hamilton um, and to be in shows that anybody wants tickets to. That's always a, a so, plus. Rory, I have to ask you, are, 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 
Are you considered in the Hamilton world? Are you considered like the global uh, King George replacement? Uh, because <laughs> yeah. you've been in so many different companies of Hamilton. Uh, they're like, oh, King George stubbed his toe. Get O'Malley on a plane. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I hope so, and I hope until I can't like walk on a stage anymore that that is what they consider me as. I, I I've joked in the past that I am the universal king swing. That you know, just <laughs> yeah. like, uh-huh. um, but. Yeah, no, um, it's been such a, man, it's just that it's, it's such a privilege and an honor, you know, and I'm not saying that lightly, uh, that that job came into my life when, when nerds collapse, you know, I'm, oh yeah, 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 the the infamous Mm. nerds, you know, when, when that Mm. fell apart, you know, I was living in Los Angeles and had come out. Uh, and, and just to for listeners, Nerds is a Broadway show that was in rehearsal already, right? 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 Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. And canceled, too- canceled for it was a uh, some weird money thing, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly, and that's all we know. Yeah. <laughs> Years later, still. It was <laughs> and Rory's so like, I know money. guys at BlackRock. We can fund this out of the uh, lunch <laughs> fund. You know? Uh, yeah, that's true. I should have made a call. Um, <laughs> No, it, it's, it, it, you know, it remains to be the, the craziest strange theater story that I'll ever have because, you know, I went out from LA to New York to do nerds, to play Bill Gates in this crazy kooky musical comedy. Um, and a few weeks into rehearsal, the lead producer walked in and said, everybody go home. Uh, oh. An investor dropped out and our director Casey Hushin, God bless her. She said, let's come back together tomorrow and run through the show for ourselves, for our designers and people who've worked on this. And, and, and just, just so we can do, we, we blocked the whole show. We were about to move into the theater. The set was on the stage. It's Mm. unheard of. You can, you know, when like shows get canceled the day before rehearsals or the day after the first preview, but this is millions Mm. of dollars just thrown away. It just doesn't happen. So we uh, came back, ran through the show, had kind of a, what I would call an Irish wake for, for our work. Mm. And I flew back to Los Angeles. I said, all right, Gerald, get me pregnant. I'm tired of Broadway. I don't want to ever. <laughs> Gerald's your husband. Yes. My husband. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, just, you, know, yeah. you know, in a way we were, I was like, let's, let's just focus on adopting a child out in Los Angeles. That's what we, why we had moved out here. And this nerds thing just kind of came out of nowhere. So a couple of days had gone by my agent calls and she said, well, how would you feel about going back to Broadway? And I said, Oh, I just couldn't. My heart is so broken. And she said, well, what if it's for the King in Hamilton? And I said, <laughs> Um, my I'm, I'm on my way to LAX. I'll be on the red eye. And she literally said, do you, okay, I'm going to tell them because they're offering this to you. Do you, do you want to talk to Gerald first though? And I said, no, I will talk to my husband when I get there. I'll text him. And I was like, <laughs> it just, I, we had seen the show off Broadway because my friend Leslie Odom Jr. was, was in it and we went to college together. And so I knew what it was. I knew. It's supposed to have been a really good college. I'm, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> oh what? yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> ah, I'm I, kidding. I, 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 of course, of I had to like <laughs> make sure that I said CMU and I was in college. You know? that, that, yeah, we, I was in a class with, with Josh Gad and Leslie Odom Jr. and Katie Mixon, who's on American Housewife and, uh, and, and so many more great, amazing, talented actors who did as much 
of my, gave me as much of my education there as the prof- professors did, you know? And so getting to, to see Leslie off Broadway at the public in, in Hamilton and seeing Brian Darcy James play the King, I thought uh-huh. one, one day that, that mm-hmm. one, one day I want to play that. So to have the worst thing that has ever happened to me in my career ha- happen. And then two days later, find out that mm-hmm. Jonathan Groff has left the show four months early to do a David Fincher show on Netflix, which is unheard of to leave a show four months mm. before mm. your contract is up before the Tonys have even been nominated you have come out um and so it just I wasn't even on my radar so all of a sudden I'm flying back and it turns out that Bethany Knox the casting director from Bernie Telsey she was casting nerds and she was also casting Hamilton and she was in the room watching that run through of the show and she said well clearly Rory is funny enough to play the king Mm. And I know he's free, so let's mm. see if we can give him an offer. And I met with Tommy Kale and Alex Lacamoire, you know, sang through the material, and they were like, this is going to be great. And, you know, that long story is just to say that the fact that I get to perform as the king anywhere, to me, is just the most amazing stroke of luck uh, that I'll ever come across professionally. And, and that the the crown fit on your head too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it kind of fit. I was, I, it happened so quickly that I mostly was just wearing everything that was fit to Groff. And I only wore the crown for the first time on, on my first show. They had like a, wow. a 45 minute put in since there's not much that the King does with anyone else. <laughs> so the first time I wore the crown, it fell off my head during my put in and Tom McHale was like, well, this is going great. <laughs> You know, um, so it took it took a while to learn how to how to hold that thing uh, steady on my head, um, but yeah, and and so I've been so lucky to open companies in San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego, and hopefully to open Los Angeles again um, someday soon. And I will play that part as long as they let me. Did you do uh, Ham for Hams? I did. I took over for Lynn when he left because. Uh, you know, he left on July 9th. I, I joined in April, uh, early April, and he left July 9th. So I got to do the show for three months with him. And and the way that the dressing rooms are set up at the Richard Rogers is the King's dressing room is basically like this little room inside the uh, Hamilton suite. So anytime somebody would go to say hello to... Um, to Lynn, like David Letterman or, you know, Helen Hunt, they would have to cross by me. So I kind of said, well, I'm basically just the doorman. That's my, that's my more important job here at Hamilton. But, uh, you know, I was, it was amazing because I got to hang out with Lynn for those last three months of his show. And he'd be like, Hey, come in here. I just got the, the, the animation for this movie I'm doing called Moana. You want to see it? I said, sure. I don't know what that is. And, you know, going in and getting to see how far I'll go for the first time with Lynn. Uh, and it was this crazy experience. And um, when it, be- it came time to pass over Ham for Ham, he asked me to do it, which, you know, I just, I was so excited, but really just scared because I thought, well, I'm going to mess this up. This is crazy. I can't, you know, be Lynn. You know, uh, people are showing up for who, they don't know who's going to be performing, but they know Lynn will be there. So like that was, uh, they were getting crowds. I thought I'm going to show up and they're going to be like, well, that guy's here. I guess I'll show up. But people continue to show up so much that the NYPD was like, we can't do this anymore. Like you think we're going to just... Yeah 
do this forever? No, like it's gone. (laughs) So they let us do it for another few months throughout the rest of that summer. And then it was kind of an end of closing down the street there. Uh, But it was a, a real thrill and really just like a sign of of Lynn saying like you belong here you're a part of this mm-hmm. family which pretty much is every word that comes out of his mouth is something that supports that for everyone mm-hmm. and uh you know I always say that the greatest gift of Hamilton is that um it had Lynn not just be you know brilliant at, at writing but brilliant at sharing his creation so that everybody on Broadway feels like that's they're a part of that show you know, over social media and, and truly just like, that's, that's our thing. That's our shiny thing that we all get to celebrate. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was an awesome experience. Well, Rory, I'm glad we stole 15 minutes of your time. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, this, you is, know this is what happens uh, when you talk to somebody who hosts a podcast, you know, like uh, I clearly, <laughs> clearly I, I can talk. So, you know, come up with the best five minutes of that. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate you not only getting up at uh, you know before seven a.m. in Los Angeles to join us on Broadway Beauty, but talking about Belt the Vote, which is really really important over mm-hmm. the next thirty-seven days to uh, get out there, register to vote, participate in the American democracy system, and the peaceful transition of power. Knock wood. Yes. And uh, and please come back and uh, joining us again when uh, when Hamilton gets back going in Los Angeles. We'd love to talk about it again. Absolutely. Let's let's hope that is uh, as soon. I think right now they're saying April. So let's hope that happens. My mom has said that she will not cut her hair until Hamilton opens. <laughs> and that was kind of just her saying, you know, she thought it was a, a three months thing at the beginning of all this. And now I'm sure she's going to be playing Rapunzel and into the woods. <laughs> but uh, I, I really, truly appreciate you guys giving me the time to talk about Belt the Vote and, and all this other stuff. And I'm so glad that you're continuing to go strong with the show and, uh, you know, all the best to you. And hopefully we'll get to uh, talk in person one day soon. So that went on much longer than I had uh, planned, but it was awesome. I was really mm-hmm. had a great time. Uh, and so I guess that what, what we should probably do is we were going to talk uh, this week about plays and musicals that in, uh, talked about uh, politics in the political system. Uh, let's push that off to next week. And Jan is going to come back with us again and talk about this because it was her topic. And it was such a great idea that I mm-hmm. really loved having it. So let's uh, skip that, but we'll not skip trivia. So, Peter, do you have an answer to last? Last week's trivia. The question was, one of Broadway's most famous and much revived musicals ends its first act with a song that makes a baseball reference and just about ends its second act with another song that contains yet another baseball reference. What's the musical, the songs and the references? Well, it's Gypsy. 
because at the end of act one and everything's coming up roses, you have Rose singing. Now's your inning near the end of act two with Rose's turn. She sings starting now. I bat a thousand. So Tony Janicki resumed his perch on top, followed by Mike Meany, Richard Carey, John Rubenstein, Robert Lobiondo, Kathy Jones. And yes, Brigadood, a sports phobic listener. Who urged me to never give another sports-related question. As I said, Briggy, you have to face your fears, and you did so admirably. I'm proud of you, Butch. This week's question. A star of a Pulitzer Prize-winning musical, who also repeated the role in the film version, is mentioned in a song from a 1965-66 Tony-nominated musical. Who's the star? What's the song? And what are the two musicals? Hmm. All right. If you have an answer to that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you're on our track. So on behalf of Jan Simpson, Michael Portantier, and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Videos this week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye. No beast alive stands a chance against you, <laughs> and no girl for that matter. It's true, LeFou, and I've got my sights set on that one. Huh? The inventor's daughter? She's the one. The lucky girl I'm going to marry. But she's the most beautiful girl in town. I know, but that makes her the best. And don't I deserve the best? Well, of course, I mean, you do, but I'm... <laughs> I from the moment when I met her, saw her. I said she's gorgeous and I fell. Here in town there's only she who is beautiful as me. So I may give her so warm a More than this provincial life Just one time going to make battle my wife But there she goes, that girl is strange but special Our most peculiar mademoiselle It's a pity and a sin She doesn't quite fit in But she really is a funny girl A beauty but a funny girl She really is a funny girl Bonjour, 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 bonjour.